Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Hey, uh, what I want to preach on tonight is I want to preach on repentance. And this could be a big series, and I think maybe as a church one day we might do that, but my message tonight is called A Sinner's Guide to Repentance, Part 1 of 34. Um, the reason I've called it that is because I'm just going to scratch the surface tonight on what is something that could be talked about for so long, and its importance to us as believers, and also what repentance does for those that don't believe, for those that are far from God, for those that are walking away from God. Repentance is an amazing gift, when, which understood and which, when it's harnessed and experienced, can absolutely bring transformation to your life. Matthew chapter 3 verse 2 has John the Baptist sharing before Jesus' ministry, and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Chapter later, Jesus then echoes that, Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In the book of Luke, we have Jesus speaking and he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repent. Here's what repentance means. Repentance is the action of repenting. Uh, sincere regret or remorse is what the dictionary says, but in the Bible, in the New Testament when it's talked about, the Greek word there is metanoia, which means to change one's mind, a transformative change of thinking, um, a transformative change of heart. And, and though repentance can include sorrow and regret, it is much more than that. True repentance brings, and it begins to bring about in your life, a personal, absolute, unconditional surrender to God. Repentance, to turn from sin and to dedicate oneself to godly living. Real repentance always results in godly change. It's seen in a person before it's talked about by that person. And I know that because I've been that person. Um, in the Old Testament, when it talks about it, it uses a couple of different Hebrew words which allude to this idea of return. So when it talks about repenting there, it's saying return to God, returning to God. And then here's what it says in Joel chapter 2. It says this, even now, says the Lord, turn and come to me with all your heart in genuine repentance, with fasting and weeping and mourning until every barrier is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. That fellowship between God and a person restored through returning to God through repentance. Zechariah 1 verse 3 says, uh, this is a call to return to the Lord. It says this, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. A couple of good sons' name suggestions right there. Verse 2, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? 
Then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. Repenting is not just a one-time thing. It is a regular privilege. Repenting isn't a one-time thing. It is a regular privilege that we have. 2 Peter 3 says this, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you just in case they'd forgotten about the first one. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Verse three, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let me read that that last verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's heart is that all would come to repentance, would repent, would turn to the Lord. And I love the picture that repentance paints of turning from something to turn to something. And that is what repentance is. It is saying, God, I am turning from what I think is the right way and I am turning to your way. I am turning from serving my own desires to now, God, serving your desires. I'm going from living my own way to now living your way, living for myself to now living for God and others, living to just day-to-day enjoy myself to now turning to true fulfillment, true purpose, and true destiny in God. God wants to, through repentance, help you turn from something and turn to something. Can I tell you, when you turn from your sin and turn to God, not only will your soul be saved, but your life this side of eternity will be radically transformed. We can turn from our sin and turn to God because of the grace of God and because of the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. Can you imagine we have such a gift where you can admit that you're wrong, say sorry, and have the opportunity to have a fresh start. What a gift from God that is, that we can turn to Him and say, Lord, I've done the wrong thing. I know my failings. I know where I've gone wrong. Would you help me? I'm turning to your way. I'm turning to you. And we can have a fresh start. I had a drama teacher in school, and she was really cool. And um, I remember one time she was on to me. This was in grade nine, and this was peak cheekiness for me. This was career best cheekiness for George. It's kind of come down over time, which is great. Um, but I remember she had asked me to stop doing something in class once. And um, I remember saying, oh, sorry, miss, sorry, I won't do it again. She's like, no worries, no worries. And then she progressed, and I did it again. And she's, she's like, Jordan, I said, sorry, miss, sorry, 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 sorry. This went on like four times. And then she was such a boss, because on the last time, she, I said, sorry, sorry, sorry. She goes, 
you don't mean that. And it's in front of the whole class, and it was like, and I was like, who are you to judge me? That's what I was kind of feeling. Anyway, she said, if you meant the previous four, you would have changed what you were doing. And I went, that's true. And kind of just sunk into my uh, chair with the green dot on the side. It was an insincere, sorry. What about the forced apology? Who's ever had a sibling and, or, and you've had a fight and then your parents are like, you have to say sorry. And they come out there and they're just like, sorry. And then like run off. Um, and then sometimes it's even combined with a hug. And so you've got two siblings just like, mm, I'm hugging. And... Uh, what about the fake apology? I know at our, at our household, there's a couple of times where we would be uh, sent to our room to think about what we've done, and it was often uh, concluded by, hey, you can come out once you apologize to mum or apologize to dad. And so sometimes we just wanted to come out of our room, and um, this was before Wi-Fi and stuff like that, so there's only so many hours you can play with wrestling toys, and um, I wanted to get out of there, so I would come out and do a fake apology, like, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't genuine. So you can do a fake apology. Um, or what about the, just the straight up refusal to say sorry? Um, sometimes that happens with young kids, you know, like something happens, you say, hey, say sorry. They're like, no. And it's like all reason goes out the window and it's just this defiant, I'm not saying sorry. And even there's often times when you're defiantly going to say, I'm not saying sorry. And then you actually understand what you did wrong and you realize that you're like, oh, but then you're still like, no. I'm not saying so, even when you know. Um, like apologies with one another, the key with repenting and saying sorry to God is to be sincere and mean it with all your heart. Um, repentance is a great gift and a great blessing when we treat it with respect and with, with honor as, as to what it truly is. It's us coming before God and apologizing. It's coming before God and saying sorry for what we've done and deciding to now turn to Him and to change what we're doing. Not like me with my drama teacher where the, the apology is said, but then the behavior doesn't change. True repentance is always followed by great godly change in your life. Luke 15 verse 7 says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. God celebrates when people repent. Repentance is something to be celebrated. Let's never get into a place where we think, if I need to repent, it's because I've failed. You literally have failed, but in the sense that you failed to meet God's standard. But what a great thing to celebrate that you are coming to God in repentance. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, with repentance comes refreshing, but I love how this scripture puts it, that your sins may be wiped out. God receiving your, or meeting with you in repentance is not like someone that you apologize to, yet they still hold a grudge. When you repent before God, your sins are wiped out. The Bible says that he throws your sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. Repentance is a gift to us because each time you do it, you are given the opportunity for a fresh start, for a clean slate, for a go again. Repentance or the lack thereof demonstrates our humility. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I love this passage because there's so much in it. It says, humble yourself so that you pray, seek God's face and turn from your ways. The humility humility there to go to God saying that what we need is from you alone, Lord. I'm going to turn from my own ways and I'm going to change what I am doing. Repentance demonstrates, reveals our level of humility. It also reveals our posture towards God and it reveals the condition of our heart. A couple of different people who repented in Scripture. Um, We've got the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is a son, for those that know the story, who had an inheritance awaiting him, but he didn't want to wait until his father had passed away and he wanted it right then and there. And he went and blew the money on crazy stuff, crazy living, hitting the town, and uh, he wasted all the money, ends up in a pig pen feeding pigs with nothing left, and he, he desires to go back to his father's house. And there's a great, great passage of scripture where the son is heading towards the house and the father comes running and the father and him embrace and the son repents. He apologizes for what he's done and the father restores him as a son. Beautiful picture of what God does to us, but I love this son repenting. And then Paul in the Bible. He, he was Saul, and Saul used to persecute Christians. And I heard a great joke where they say that God hit Saul's life so hard that the S fell off and they slapped a P on. And he was radically transformed, radically changed. And um, what happens to him is, is he goes blind, goes into the city, and some disciples are there. They pray with him. He's baptized, and it says he begins preaching right away. Paul reflects a life where so much wrong is done, so much sin is done, yet by the grace of God and through repentance, he lives a transformed life for the glory of God. Um, David in the Bible writes a whole psalm where he is repenting, Psalms 32 where he has done wrong in the eyes of God and he begins to write out his heart repenting, talking about the depravity of his heart, what he's done and pleading for a good God to help him. You know, in the Old Testament, there's David and there's Saul. I just mentioned David writing a psalm about repentance. He was the king after Saul and Saul was a king who, like David, sinned in the eyes of God, yet responded very differently to David. And we're going to look at the two differences right now and hopefully get some encouragement from it. So Pastor Izzy preached on it the other week. He was preaching on 1 Samuel 13, where Saul is told by the prophet Samuel to wait seven days before making a sacrifice to God. Saul does not obey. He panics. He tries to do it his own way, and he makes the sacrifice um, in his own timing, And when he's confronted with that truth, Saul tries to justify what he has done. You know, it happens again two chapters later. Saul disobeys God, and when the prophet Samuel says, what are you doing? Saul justifies what he's done. Well, I did it because I thought that this would be the right. I thought thought this. However, we see the complete opposite when David is confronted with sin in his life. David in 2 Samuel 12, is confronted by the prophet Nathan. And Nathan comes to David and brings David's sin to him and tells him what he's doing wrong. And David's response is, I am a sinner. And immediately Nathan says, God will restore you. Why? Because he didn't try to justify what he was doing. 
He acknowledged, I am a sinner. I am in need of the grace of God. I want to ask you, do you try to justify your sin to God or do you let God justify your sin? You know, David's response was so different to Saul's. Saul's was like, no, I tried. I thought I was doing the right thing. And isn't that what we all do? That is what we all do. But then David is the opposite because David then writes a whole psalm again about what happened with him and the prophet Nathan. He writes in Psalms 51, a whole psalm about repentance. And I love it. He writes, create in me a clean heart, O God. And for those of you that know Keith Green, any Keith Green fans in the house? It's just me and Pastor Murray. I'll do it for you after. It would, it would only be Pastor Murray that would laugh. He says, create in me a clean heart. The acknowledgement that he had done the wrong thing and fallen short, yet his response was what? Humility, soft heart, willingness to change, knowing that God's way was higher. I think what we can see a little bit of in those two people, in Saul and David, is what uh, many would call earthly sorrow and godly sorrow. I heard about earthly sorrow and godly sorrow from Pastor Eli when I was about 13. And uh, we were hanging out with some guys and we were talking about sin and things that people were struggling with. And Pastor Eli brought this concept of earthly sorrow and godly sorrow. Because I was saying, man, I feel pretty bad about my sin and about what I'm doing. It's like, why do you feel bad? Because it just stresses me out. I feel like a weight's on my shoulders. I just feel different. I feel empty. He was like, you feel bad about your sin because you feel bad. And I felt bad because it was woe is me. Look what my sin's done to me. And the reality is sin will do bad things to you. But before sin grieves any man, it grieves the heart of God. Because God has a better way and a higher way. And I love that David's response is that his sin has grieved the heart of his father. When confronted with our sin, we either repent, harden our heart, or seek out a different theology. People do it nowadays. We either repent, we say, God, I've done the wrong thing. Would you change me from the inside out? Would you help me turn from and turn to? Or we harden our heart and go, it's just the way I am. It's the way it's going to be. I can't change. Or we seek out a different theology and say, surely that's not a sin. There's got to be a translation. Quick, give me the Passion Translation. What does that say? And we try and find something which will take the edge off. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. In the context of repentance and sin here with this verse, blessed is the one who always trembles before God. What is that? I'm grieving God, the sovereign God, the maker of heavens and the earth. I have done the wrong thing before him. I've got the right fear of God in me. But then it's met with the opposite, someone who hardens their heart. And it says they'll fall into trouble. Sin left unrepentant will greatly harden your heart. If you've been a Christian for a little while and you're like, where's my spark gone? I want you to look at, is there any unrepentant sin in your life? If you've been a Christian for a while and you're saying, where's my zeal gone? I want you to check, is there some unrepentant sin in your life? If you're a Christian and you've been in church for a long time and there's just, you come to church and feel nothing, I want you to think, is there some unrepentant sin in my life? Because what it is doing, it is achieving what the devil set out to do, and that is to harden your heart towards man, towards the call of God, towards the house of God, and towards the things of God. People who sin and repent often, 
often have the softest hearts. People who sin and repent often, often have the softest hearts. Here's why. They're equally aware of their sin as they are of their gracious God. The more you repent and come with your sin, the more you encounter the grace of God. I cannot tell you, the more you encounter the grace of God in the privacy of your Holden Zephira, <laughs> just a personal story, when you repent, no matter where it is, you will encounter the grace and love of God. Some of you feel stale because you haven't encountered the love and grace of God because you haven't gone to repent in years. I want to tell you, there is such a refreshment and a softness to come on the other side of you having regular time of repentance, coming before God. God, would you search my heart? Would you clean my heart? Would you do a spring clean? Would you do the Marie Kondo? What is it? Does it, does it kindle joy? What doesn't kindle joy in me, Lord? And get rid of it. I clearly got the name of that Netflix show wrong, but let's move on. Hey, you know, we are absolutely a part of a generation that says to each other, you don't need to change anything. Not a thing. Not a thing. You could be doing absolutely the wrong thing, not even in God's standards, but our generation is incapable of saying, you're doing the wrong thing. You, don't, uh, you're, you need to change something. We just, just don't do it. You know, we've started doing it in the church. You are, how you, what you're doing is fantastic. You know, it's actually dangerous. There are so many things that we need to change about our behavior, about our thinking, about the things that we do. The danger of that is that we'll have a generation that won't repent. Here's what will happen, a generation with a hard heart. Why aren't teenagers soft to the gospel anymore? It's a hard heart because there's no, there's no repentance at all. And that's just within the church. We've got to work on that. We've got to help people understand that there are things we need to change because we all have a giant sin issue. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short. 1 John 1, 8 to 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the good news. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Guys, all have sinned. We have all sinned. The gospel's the great leveler because we are all sinners. We are all sinners, but we can all respond to the great Savior, which is Jesus Christ. You know, God, God wants to call all of us, you and I, to a higher way, a more honoring, more God-honoring way of life, a transformed life, transformed from the inside out, transformation. I was going to do my South African joke, but a few people said it was irritating. So um, you'll get transformed from the inside out, you'll be sanctified. <laughs> I thought about, I probably shouldn't have done it anyway. That's the last time, I promise, till next week. Um, <laughs> hey, just on the change thing, you know, you, you can tell a caterpillar, hey, you don't need to change a thing, but it will only experience 1% of what it could if it does change. You can tell a caterpillar, caterpillar, you're beautiful, you're perfect, remain the same. You don't need to change a thing about you, perfection. What you do, what you say, amazing. And it's like, could I become a butterfly? Look, you don't need to change. I don't want to put that pressure on you. Listen, there's a metamorphosis that God can take you through, a transformation, but it requires change. 
We've got to see our Christian brothers and sisters and our friends and our neighbours as caterpillars potentially being a butterfly if the truth of God is brought to them that on the other side of repentance is a transformed life. I need to change. You need to change. There's a higher way. God's got a better way for your life. You know, when we sin, shame enters our heart. Shame enters our life. It's the devil's strategy. And it affects your life. It affects your behavior. affects your interactions. affects your relationships. But listen, before sin affects your life, it affects your soul. Before sin affects your life, it affects your soul. It's easy for Christians and even non-believers to resist sin that have an immediate impact on your current life. People go, oh, I'm not going to do that because that will affect my health. I'm not going to do that. because Listen, all sin affects your soul. And we need to not have earthly sorrow with our sin where we say, well, that's going to make me feel bad. It's going to have a bad effect on my career. What about the effect it's having on your soul? What about the effect it's having on your walk with God? One is more destructive than the other. It's the effect that sin has on your soul, on the you that we can't see. Before sin grieves any man, it grieves the heart of God. But God in His love and His grace and His wisdom has given us this gift, the gift of repentance, by which we can return to God, where we can come to God in humility and say, God, I can see the depths of my depravity. Lord, I can see the brokenness, the failings. But Lord, I can also see your heart. I can see the grace of God available to me. It's been made available by a loving God because of His grace because of his love and because of that, there's an opportunity for you, young person. There's an opportunity for you, new person, to have a fresh start, a clean slate. The Bible tells us God's mercy is new every morning. You wake up every morning, whether you know it or not, to new mercy, to an opportunity to go again. If we would turn to the Lord, turn from our ways and turn to God's. You know, as a church, we used to have a ministry, and, and a few people remember it. It's called Club 180. Anyone Club 180? It's not a weird club in Hillary's. It's actually, it was a church ministry. And uh, the idea was club one, with Club 180 was to paint a picture of what God would do with your life, where you're heading one direction, and God turns you around and sends you in a different direction. You know, that's absolutely what is in God's heart for you. It's, it's that you would turn from the direction you're heading in You know, whether you can see it or not, if you're walking without God, you are heading towards emptiness, brokenness, and destruction. But God wants to take you to Club 180 and turn you to head towards a beautiful relationship with God, full of purpose, full of meaning, full of love, full of salvation, full of transformation. We just need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is close. You know, John the Baptist came before him to tell us, repent for the kingdom of heaven is close. And then Jesus came to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is close. And then Jesus died on the cross for you and I so that we could come into that relationship with God and so that we could experience the gift of a brand new start, that washing away of our sin, that burden that you're carrying. God can come and wipe it away and help you step into that brand new life. Don't live as a caterpillar anymore thinking that what you're experiencing is enough. I want to tell you, in a repentant life, there is transformation, an empowered and anointed life for you to experience where not only is your eternity on the other side secure, but your time on this side is full of purpose and meaning and full of the call of God. And God wants to do something great in your life. I want a church, if we could stand for a moment. We're going to sing a beautiful song. 
which talks about repentance. I want to encourage you. Why don't we sing and let's worship the Lord together. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.